Hey everyone, welcome to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. I'm your host Chris Desmond. This is episode number 39 uh, and today I have decided to do a cool bits round two. Hopefully you guys have had a chance to listen to last week's episode where I created a bit of a potpourri of different excerpts from conversations that I've had with some of the amazing guests that have come on the podcast so far. Uh, I really wanted to take a little bit from everyone's conversation, so I've decided to do another one this week uh, and put put that together for you guys to have a listen to. Hopefully you enjoyed the last one. If you haven't had a listen to, go back episode number 38 uh, and you'll find some amazing insights from some of the interesting people that I've talked to so far. Also, I realized in in last week's podcast, I didn't tell you about a couple of the uncomfortable stories that happened to me while I was in Japan. Um, As most of you know, if you've listened before, I I was in Japan over over New Year's and uh, I had a great time. It's an amazing place. Um, But culturally, it's it's quite different to New Zealand. Uh, And that that does push you out of your comfort zone a little bit. So... Uh, these are these are slightly amusing stories to me anyway. Hopefully you guys get a chuckle from them. So we we stayed mostly in Airbnbs and uh, in Tokyo our Airbnb host pointed out a restaurant or pointed in the direction of a restaurant that she recommended for us to go and have dinner in and we we rocked up to what we thought was the correct restaurant. Um, in hindsight, it may or may not have been, and and walked in, and everyone was smiling and and welcoming. And we got there, we got our legs under the under the table, um, and then went on to discover that no one in the restaurant uh, spoke English, other than probably the word chicken. Uh, and the menu was all in Japanese characters with no pictures. So that turned into a little bit of a challenge for us to try and figure out what was on the menu uh, and to communicate uh, with the staff. So there was a little bit of Google uh, Google Translate going on. Um, my high school level Japanese, um, which I stopped partway through high school, didn't take us that far. Uh, and also a little bit of mime and uh, just mentioning some Japanese dishes that we knew the name of uh, such as tempura or sashimi uh, so we ended up we ended up having a little bit of food uh, and it was delicious food uh, but we were probably still a little bit hungry afterwards because we ran out of things to uh, to order because we didn't didn't know any better um it was a pretty uncomfortable experience sitting there, uh, not being able to communicate with people. But actually, it turned into a, turned into a lot of fun when we went to pay the bill at the end. Uh, everyone was having a good laugh. Potentially, the guys were having a good laugh at us rather than with us. Um, but we, we found it amusing by the end of it. Uh, Another interesting cultural experience, we stayed at a, a Ryokan Onsen, which is a, a traditional Japanese inn uh, that has a hot spring there. Uh, and the hot springs involve uh, naked bathing. And the one that we were staying at was split up into, into men and women, so they had separate bathing areas. So I went in and, and had a hot spring and 
from a from a guy from New Zealand, uh, where the culture over here is everyone's reasonably modest. So sitting in a big hot spring area with a whole lot of other naked guys was uh, was an interesting experience and uh, having conversations with them. So that was that was definitely a little bit uncomfortable to start with, uh, but as you as you get used to it, um, it, it quickly becomes becomes normal, and you quickly lose a bit of inhibition around it, I guess. So there are a couple of the uncomfortable stories that happened to me while I was away. Um, but again, thanks for tuning in this week, guys. Uh, I hope you enjoy Coolbits Part Two. Remember, if you haven't checked out Episode One of Coolbits, go back to last week, have a listen but enjoy all the insights from the amazing guests that we have on today. Thanks for getting uncomfortable with us today. First up, we've got a little snippet for you from Shifi Lal from Making a Different Skills uh, back in episode 7, I think it was. Shifi is briefly talking today about self-belief, listening, uh, and learning to let go. Yeah, I would say just if you're... If you really want to do something, just back yourself. A lot of people will support you. A lot of people will try to tear you down, but it's just that sheer self-belief you know and believing in whatever it is that you want to do that'll get you through it so just keep pushing through it does get better learn to let go really early I learned that later but you know the more you let go the more thicker skinned you get but just and also listen along the process as well because you're always learning and so don't stop learning you're never not not gonna know you're never going to know everything there is to know Next up, I'm having a chat with Dave Wolf. Uh, Dave is the owner of Everyone's Adventure, a local outdoor adventure business based here in Wellington with kind of a social enterprise bent. Um, Dave's all about doing business better to give back to the community with cool toys at the same time. Uh, And today, Dave and I chat a little bit about moving from a corporate role into a business owner, how that affected his ego and his sense of identity and some of the challenges that he's faced with that. Yeah, so the, the last thing that I did that was that was really uncomfortable um, was leaving my, my day job. Um, there was a certain amount of, I guess, financial stability that came with that. I was on a pretty decent salary, um, had a good job title and all of the, I don't know, self-esteem, validation kind of stuff that, that goes with that. Um, and yeah, I guess sort of felt through all of that as well that I was really, you know, providing for my family and, you know, doing my best and all that kind of stuff as well. So it was, yeah, it was quite a challenge to 
to leave all of that for the uncertainty of, of doing my own thing. Um, and I was, I was very certain that the, the money would be significantly less than what I was on at the time. Um, but yeah, I wasn't fully aware of, uh, just the effect that it would have on me in terms of, uh, I guess my, my ego as well. So it just what it would mean, um, you know, leaving this reasonably decent sort of corporate position um, for a job that wasn't bringing in much money, didn't have much certainty, um, and was all based on future potential and just how my, yeah, my ego and my self-esteem would uh, sit with that. Yeah. So, yeah, that was definitely a, a challenging yeah. kind of thing for me. It almost, yeah, it challenges your sense of identity really as well because often that, our identity is wrapped up in our in our job or in, mm. our, in our work as well, and uh, yeah, it must have made it must make the decision. Yeah, definitely. I think um, yeah, a lot of our identity is wrapped up in in our jobs and what we what we call ourselves and how we describe that, and and I guess uh, it's quite easy to make the mistake as well of quantifying your self worth based on your your salary, um, which is just a a very easy sort of trap to fall into, I guess. And, um, yeah, leaving that situation, I guess it required me to, I guess, kind of recalibrate where my self-worth or self-esteem came from, um, that I needed to be okay with not attaching myself to a, a big number salary-wise. Uh, I needed to be okay with my partner earning, you know, significantly more than I was and essentially being the, the main breadwinner for us. Um, and need to learn to be okay with accepting a lot of help. Um, yeah, which was quite a quite a learning curve for me, I think. And is that something you're okay with now, or is that something <laughs> you're still challenged by occasionally? It's something I I think I'm okay with it. Well, most of the time I think I'm okay with it, and then if the business is really struggling in a particular month or or if it's going awesome, that will have a massive effect on my mood and, mm. and I guess my self-esteem as well. And so I think I, I haven't quite learnt yet to totally unravel my sense of self-worth from the money that I'm bringing in, mm. uh, which is a, yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's a, a constant, constant battle, I guess, to try and remain detached from that and attach my ego to other things and just have my income as sort of incidental to that. So, yeah, it's, mm. I, I wouldn't say by any means that I've figured out a way of resolving that. It's still a, an ongoing thing. Yeah. But. Next up, we've got Erin Todd from Workerbee. Now, through Workerbee, Erin is helping feed people incredibly healthy food that makes them feel good while encouraging nutrient-dense gardening practices in our community. Uh, it was great to have a chat with Erin. She's got a really infectious laugh. Uh, and today, in this little excerpt, we talk about failure, about guilt, about the internal voices, um, and how Erin deals with them. I feel like I'm often failing <laughs> um, and mostly it's expectations of myself you know um, which potentially needs to be adjusted so failing 
prefer not to use the term failing <laughs> because it's um, it's always a, it's always a lesson, and it, and it often turns out to be for the best. I hate to get you know yeah, yeah. a bit vague on it, but there's often something you need to look at in that mistake, you know, or there's another way that you can win. It's more of the not meeting those internal expectations that you've set for yourself rather than meeting someone's external expectations that you that you feel that you air quotes fail. Yeah. And more often. Yeah, often. Yeah. Okay. I feel sometimes well, I don't know, failure and guilt and wrapped up and I think that <laughs> sometimes they're interchangeable yeah, with how sorry. we view ourselves that you feel guilty that you have set yourself these expectations and you and you haven't achieved them yeah it's like trying you know just trying to be a really great mum while I'm you know working full time and having a business and you know so um, yeah there's there's plenty of muck ups in there <laughs> yeah I, I, I understand what you mean there there's uh, and I think we're our own harshest critics sometimes as well yeah if one of your friends was doing the same thing uh, as you and then you were going to give them some feedback you definitely wouldn't have you wouldn't be as harsh on them oh, as you are on no. yourself goodness no sometimes I think about that I'm like yeah um, and I try and listen to myself like someone else is, is talking to me. And as you say, like, there is no way I would talk to a friend like that. There's no way I'd let anyone else talk to me like that. Yeah. So it is, it is interesting to just notice yeah. those internal Are you able to stop that internal conversation or change it? Do you have a way that you, that you go to to try and do that when you, when you realize that you are doing it? Yeah. Uh, yoga has been really helpful. Breathing patterns that yep. I've learnt through yoga has been incredible um, because I do notice that internal chatter, and with that internal chatter is is tension, you know, in the body. Yep. And so as soon as I start feeling that, you know, the the shoulders start going up and the chest starts to constrict a little bit. I'm like, hang on a second. <laughs> well, I know what's going on here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, and, yeah, just taking a, I hope this sounds cliche, but, you know, taking a few deep breaths through the nose and, and centering myself really helps to let me see my thoughts from the outside, I guess. Yeah. Okay, cool. Be yeah. a little bit more objective around things. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. Okay, that sounds sounds good and uh I think that's that's something that a lot of people struggle with is that internal chatter and uh how to figure out the best way to uh, manage that for themselves. And everyone has different ways of, of doing it. Yeah as well. Well as you said before, I mean we're all really busy. Mm. Outside, you know, <laughs> externally and internally. Yeah. And, yeah, taking some space is, is always going to be a good thing. It is, yeah, mm. yeah. 
Next up, I'm chatting with Elizabeth Connor from The Kinship, uh, and The Kinship is a Wellington-based consultancy which is dedicated to connecting the potential of science with the real needs of the world, um, and just really focusing on, on communicating our ideas to each other. And actually, this little excerpt today is a little bit about communication of our ideas um, and about how we have all this knowledge and, and often we undervalue that uh, as people and don't think that it's important for others, but also conversely that others feel the same way and, and undervalue their knowledge and, and don't share it with us. Uh, and Elizabeth as well talks a little bit about brown and gold thinking, which is an alternative to black and white thinking, which I really enjoy and uh, have been have been thinking about a lot since the episode aired. Find them finding out that all they need to do is pick up the phone and call someone and people are interested in their perspective and their knowledge. That's an amazing um, realisation to have. Why do you think that we that it takes us a while sometimes to actually have that realisation that people are interested in what we have to say <laughs> and, and in our expertise? Mm. Um, I have personal experience of, <laughs> of that. I like I find the same thing myself that I'm I don't think people are going to be interested um and I think maybe maybe one thing is just that we get into silos and for example in the science community you're surrounded by scientists all day every day and everyone's got different science to share so um why you, you just don't realize that that even the simplest part of your knowledge could be interesting or useful to someone else yeah, I think that's, it's sort of, you just don't realise that the value of what you've got because you're so used to it, realising that your arm's really valuable. you had it all your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I completely understand that from that point of view. And anyone that has been in cast for their arm will probably oh, yeah. understand that as well yeah. as that you don't realise exactly how valuable it is until you until you uh, lose it. Mm, Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's a that's an interesting point that you make about that we often undervalue our, our own knowledge and our own expertise. Mm. And I think that every person you meet is going to know something that you mm. don't know. Mm. So every person you meet, you're going to know something that they don't know. Yeah, and yeah. And you can help them out in, in some way, whether it be a big way or a small mm. way. Mm. Um, I love that idea, yeah. Mm, it's mm. such such a great way to look at people. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not something that I've thought about too deeply, mm. but it's probably something that I might try for the next mm, kind of week or mm. so. That just kind of thinking, how what do I know that can help this person out? Oh yeah, um, I've got this thing called brown and gold thinking. Okay, and it's a way of looking at the world. It's the opposite to black. Was different alternative to black and white thinking. Yeah. And the idea that is that everyone and everything's got gold in it somewhere. Yep. It's just covered in shit. Okay, yeah. And um, and that leads to a way of looking at people in the world as in, like, even if you react really badly to someone, like, it's, you, you still assume that they've got some value somewhere, and then you look for it. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, the next little audio nugget is from Katie Smith from the Ritual Tea Company. In this one, you'll get to hear a little bit about Katie starting off uh, the Ritual Tea Company and rebranding 
and about why being embarrassed of your first iteration of something isn't always a bad thing. Uh, And also, Katie making the leap from doing something on the side to taking it full time and really going for it and and her decision making process around that. What kind of spurred the rebrand? Why did you why did you change from KT to Ritual T? I had just done it all myself, really. I have since read that if you weren't if you're not embarrassed of your first kind of product or your first iteration of something then you took too long to launch so I take heart in that because when I look back at the packaging and everything it just wasn't right but it got me out there so listening to my podcast (laughs) I'm not embarrassed though (laughs) yeah not you (laughs) (laughs) yeah so okay cool how how long did it take to to decide to change I'm not sure I I think I knew for a while it need, needed to change if I was to grow the business. And yeah, as, as I said, it was kind of a psychological thing and changing the name as well as changing because I'd always done it so on the side, just a couple of hours a week. I hadn't put a, wasn't putting heaps into it and I knew, okay, I've done it for long enough now. I need to decide whether I want to do this properly take it to the next level or say okay that was a really good experience and I learned a lot and and leave it behind but I didn't want to leave it behind I thought it had too much potential to do that so I decided that it was time to kind of take it to the next Mm. level was that a tough decision to make yeah it was was because I've never done them I've never you know it's my first business and I didn't know I don't know what the right thing to do is you try and trust trust your gut but then you look at the numbers and then you yeah mm, a whole mm. lot of different things yeah and i think in, in business as in life there isn't always a right decision as such that there's mm. a range of decisions and i mean whatever one you make it's how you approach it and what you do afterwards mm. that is gonna ultimately yeah. define if it was the right one or not yeah i was lucky enough to have a friend of mine mega jolly reach out to me uh on the podcast last year to ask if she could talk about her experiences with postnatal depression um, which is definitely not a topic i was super familiar with at all so it was great to get uh, her, her thoughts around her experiences of of postnatal depression um, advice for what she would do if she experienced it again and and advice for for other uh, mothers and parents going through this um, so in this little excerpt mega shares a little bit around mindfulness and uh, reaction that she has since learnt uh, after going through this experience. Even, um, I mean, one of the, the strategies, and they, I think that they kind of do tell you um, in a lot of parenting resources, but, you know, sometimes your kids push your buttons and that's just the nature of children and you just want to lose it and yell at them all. But to be able to step aside and just take 10 deep, 
slow breaths is so helpful <laughs> just to calm the body, reduce the stress, calm, like lower the heart rate so that you can just think a bit more rationally before you go off at your children. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Deciding whether this is actually worth going off at them over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, toddlers can be a bit of a handful. Um, and I know like all of my mum friends, they say, oh, God, sometimes I just feel like I've just turned into this woman who just yells at their child all the time. And it's easy to do, but it's also just as easy to step aside and just calm down for a minute before you react. So, And I, I don't mean that in a patronising way. It's You've got the choice, right? And I know it's easy to react harshly. But it's also, and it does take a lot of effort to go, hold on, stop. I'm just going to take a breather for a minute. It yeah. is hard to do that. But if you can get into the habit of that, it's so worth it. Another slightly uncomfortable topic for me was the topic of egg donation. Uh, and thankfully, I got to cover that one as well with Angela McCamish uh, in the podcast last year. Uh, Ange has been an egg donor a couple of times and was kind enough to share some some time and also some passion to talk with me about the process of egg donation. Um, and she left me with a bit of a message about being passionate about the things that you care about. My goal for this year, my New Year's Eve resolution, was just to be more passionate about stuff that I care about. And I think that that's, that's a really good way to live your life, just to be more passionate. And so I think maybe thinking about donation for some people might be a great thing to do. And it might not necessarily be egg donation, but it could be um, sperm donation or embryo donation. If you've undergone IVF in the past, you might have embryos left over. Or possibly even being a surrogate might be the right thing for you. But it's just, yeah, I mean, you need to do what's right for you. And egg donation is, is not going to be the right thing for everybody. But I'd like to think more people out there might might consider it and might want to to give some recipients out there the, the ultimate gift of, of hope and the potential ability to have a family. In episode two, uh, I was lucky enough to speak with my mate Alex Asher. This next excerpt is from him. Uh, we had a chat about a couple of things, but one was his run from Cape Reinga, the North Island of New Zealand, all the way down the east coast of New Zealand uh, to Wellington. Uh, some of the challenges that he faced along the way with that. And uh, Alex is currently uh, on doing the return journey, so straight to Cape, so running from Wellington up the west coast of New Zealand uh, to Cape Reinga in the north. Uh, he's, he's faced a few challenges along the way, and I was actually lucky enough to, to sit down for a cup of tea with him over the weekend um, and have a, have a little bit of a chat. Uh, kind of had been hoping um, that I might be able to run a little bit with him, but probably fortunately for both of us, uh, he was on a rest day, so I didn't have to try and struggle through for 30 or 40 Ks with, with uh, this guy who's a bit of a machine at the moment. Um, but 
in this little uh, this little soundbite, you'll hear a bit about um, working with your inner voice and, and managing your inner voice as it's uh, as it's kind of throwing up bad thoughts at you and, and and making you uncomfortable and how Alex has a strategy of of doing that with running among other things. Absolutely, I mean that that inner voice, man. If you can control that, the world's your oyster. And it's funny, like that's obviously something that I've had to deal with. I mean, that's what that that run was about. I, I can't remember, but I mean, I, th- I think I mean I ran what two thousand three hundred kilometers down the east coast. I think that would you know it's millions of steps, millions of steps, and that's also like millions of times that you're also possibly saying, oh, sh- you know, can you do this? You know, when I was injured, you know, like people are saying, no, you can't, and you're just gonna like, no, I, I, I can keep on going. And with this business, same thing, you know, it's just you're constantly that, that, that inner voice doesn't stop. Even, even as you go forward, you just get better at dealing with that. So uh, that's certainly something I found. And again, when it comes to running, that's what I love about it is that it's more about mindset than anything. It's that whole time you're just, you're having to confront that inner demon and win. <laughs> it's yeah. cold outside. It's wet. You know, it's dark. <laughs> it's, Oh, I'm a bit tired. It's stressful. Oh, I've got this thing. I don't want to do it. You know, all of those things happen all the time. That's what I, I think is so powerful about exercise and why you see so many benefits, whether it's running or not, but just when people are faced with adversity and then they have to, to overcome that, that inner voice. Do you have any tips other than exercise for quietening the inner voice? I do for running and I, I, I came up with it because I was confronted with it myself. Um, that was actually the wonderful thing about going back into running and turning from a selling to personal trainers to, to actually focusing on running is I actually became a beginner runner again because, you know, I hadn't been running very much at all for a while. I noticed that when I was going at the start of the run, you know, there you just absolutely confronted with that inner voice, that internal chatter, giving you all of those reasons why you could be doing something else. Funnily enough, for me, running is actually the reason that I, I think running is actually a really strong tip around silencing it. If you focus all of your attention in that first couple of minutes, almost like a mantra, and you just chant it in your head, a positive thought or a quality that you want to establish in yourself. So for me, on the particular instance that I'm thinking of, I was wanting to get better at following my own or eating my own dog food, as they say, or, or following my own principles. So I was just saying, you know, be the change that you want to see in the world. You know, be the change, be the change. And so by repeating in my head, I was actually able to not silence, but it's, I think, more about overpowering or, or, or amplifying your own, you know, positive voice over that negative chatter. So I think that's the way to kind of approach it is, is how can you overwhelm that, that inner voice? And I think particularly, you just can't give it an inch. If you kind of, as soon as you're aware, like you've got to be really aware of that in, that inner voice, but you just can't give it a, a little moment because it just builds up momentum. So again, as soon as you hear that internal chatter, you've got to be like reaction straight away. And you don't have to be aggressive in your mind, you know, but you just need to acknowledge what's being that internal voice that's been going on. And I think be really confident and strong with like, no, this is that, that, that's not helpful. This is what I'm focusing on, and really own own your own thought space. So, as you guys 
have heard over the last couple of weeks, I've had a chance to sit down and have a chat with some amazing guests on the podcast. It's been absolutely fantastic to to talk to a, a really wide variety of people um, with kind of a wide variety of stories as well, but with that overarching theme of, of getting uncomfortable. And I think I've definitely been able to push myself out of my comfort zone a little bit more um, with the with the podcast and facing new challenges with that so it's been beneficial for me and hopefully it's been beneficial for you guys as listeners um, I want you to thank I want to thank you all for taking the time to tune in and and have a bit of a listen and share some time with with myself and the guests that I've had on um, it's been amazing to actually have people listening in uh, I want to thank all the guests that have been on the podcast as well. Uh, obviously, this wouldn't be here without you guys. So thank you for giving up my t- your time to chat with me uh, about uncomfortable topics. And as always, if you guys have anyone that you think would be good for me to chat to in 2017, reach out to me and I'll try and get them on the show. You can get me uncomfortable is okay uh, on Facebook or on Instagram, uh, Chris Desmond NZ on Twitter, or throw me an email, uncomfortable is okay at gmail.com, or alternately uh, leave a comment on the uh, website. And while you're at it, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review on your favorite podcast app, that goes a long way into getting the show into more people's ears. But as always, thanks for getting uncomfortable with me today. Um, And we'll send you off again with the musical stylings of my awesome little brother, Jeremy Desmond. Thank you.